0: today on the Rita Me Do It Show. My five-year-old at this point does not care if he goes to school with underwear on his head, right? And my eight-year-old also wouldn't have cared at that age. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm so lucky, I have such easy kids. But now that my eight-year-old's eight and he has little girls that he has crushes on in his class, he stresses out about his hair. He is concerned about his appearance. He wants to come off smart in class he doesn't like when he gets made fun of and it's a very very clear obvious shift and it's funny that you say seven because I really do think there's something right after that age where you start to get really aware of people's opinions of your of you because of Rita I got on the news
1: because of Rita I had 15 speaking engagements last year because
2: of Rita I've become a six-figure business owner because of Rita Rita, I've doubled my revenue by by doubling my clients I'm Rita, business strategist, speaker, and success coach, also known as the gal who went on 35 dates in 35 days and blogged all about it. And this is the Rita Mimi Do It Show, where every week I bring you the real information about what it takes to go all in on your dreams so that you can build a profitable business and live a positive life. Some weeks I'll have a guest, and others it'll be just you and me, like we're out on my deck sharing a bottle of wine conversation,
1: yeah, it'll be that real. Everyone, I am so excited for today's episode. Many of you have heard my guest today because I was a guest on her podcast not too long ago, but the tables are turned and I have Donna, Donna Spildana, Donna Bowling on my podcast today, and we are going to talk about what it means to amp up your business, to get visible, to really step into the spotlight so that you become kind of that sought after, go-to expert and authority and just well-known and and sought after by everyone. And I'm really excited about it because I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with is that concept of just like putting themselves out there in such a big way. And so Donna, welcome. The first question that I'm gonna ask you Because your business is really all about amping it up, amping blank up, amping shit up, amping your face up, amping clubhouse up, amping just amping everything up. What does that mean to you? What does it mean to amp something up?
0: Well, it's so funny. Number one, I'm so happy to be here because you know I love you and we talk all the time. But it's nice to actually put it on like you know record. Um, Now we'll always have a souvenir of our conversation. So I uh, I created the brand Amp amp it up, probably a year and a half ago or a year ago. And I wasn't with anything in mind. I didn't even think it was going to be a long-term thing. It was kind of mostly for the podcast. And I was just thinking of what's a good acronym that would make sense for me that also stands for some characteristics or values. And so I threw out on a piece of paper, I brain-dumped like 20, 30 words that just kind of related to my ideal client or me, and. I kind of played around with it. And then what happened was I saw the A, I saw, you know, I saw a few things and I was thinking, what are words that also feel like big or bright or energy or, you know, growth or whatever. And amplify kept coming up. And I was like, amplify is cool, but I want it a little more like fun and and short. So amp it up. Amp stands for ambitious, motivated, Positive. And those are three things that not only do I think I am, but I think the people that are in my life, in my community, have to be. Because if they're not, they're not going to like me. Right. Like they, I think you have to be all three of those things or else I'm going to just be annoying to them. And it, it's just so fun because now, a year and a half later, with, you know, I have my amp up your IG, amp up your reels, amp up your clubhouse. Those are three programs that I've sold. But I also, my club on clubhouse. I had no idea there was going to be an audio app that was going to come out of nowhere, but I created the club amp it up. And it's such a, it's like a dual meaning. Cause amp voice sound amplify. Like it's, I don't know. I just think it couldn't be more, more perfect. Yeah. So I love amp it up. It's like my, and I still need to trademark it, right? Rita. Like oh, I haven't trademarked it.
1: Yeah, you better check on that.
0: <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah, nervous that. now. I'm nervous.
1: <laughs> better check on this Um, so Voice and sound and loud and positive and motivated and ambitious and tell me about Donna at age seven. What was Donna like at age seven?
0: Okay, I've heard you talk about this before, so not and I think yes. and I think honestly, I've said this before years ago. Someone maybe maybe told me like, if you're struggling to know what you want to do when you grow up, think about what you wanted to do when you were like seven or eight years old. So when you talk about this, Rita, I'm always I always agree because I do think. Even if it's, like, to be, you know, an astronaut, like, something that's really out there, I still think it's indicative of who you are as a person and your type of, like, qualities. So, for me, when I was seven years old, I wanted to be either a radio star, meaning, like, not a singer. I wanted to be a radio DJ. Or I wanted to be Barbara Walters. That was it. I wanted to talk to people, whether it was through, uh, through like, on video or on radio. And I wanted to interview people. I wanted to ask people questions. I was incredibly, at that age, an incredibly curious kid. Um, An overtalker. I got in trouble by speaking too much in every single one of my classes. I always had the best grades. But Mm -hmm. the only thing I was struggling with, she doesn't shut up. Yeah, mine was exhibits exhibits
1: exhibit self-control. I would always get uh, unsatisfactory because I would hop out of my seat and talk to everybody all the time. You and I are the same. Yeah.
0: I, I couldn't stop. And, but at the same time, my grades were really, really good. So it wasn't like it was distracting me, but I'm, I'm very, I don't know. I can't, I don't like silence. Silence stresses me out. In fact, I like to work listening to music or talking. When I was a kid, I used to do homework with TV on and get, and that was the only way I would did, do it well. Like I had to focus with sound. And so it's an interesting um, dynamic now. But yeah, I definitely wanted to do something similar to what I do.
1: That's so cool. I mean, and for anybody who's just like, this is your first episode with me. So the reason for this question is that, I don't know, some study somewhere someday that I read a long time ago was done that said you are at your most authentic self at age So if you start feeling kind of disconnected from who you are or not joyous with your life, kind of go back and think about who you were at age seven and ask how you can incorporate certain characteristics and traits from age seven into your now to kind of start stepping back into yourself. You know, why do you think it is, Donna? Because it's become such a relevant part for what you do in your business. So why do you think it is that people get so disconnected from themselves? Right. Like, I, I mean, you are kind of connected to that now but I'm not 100% sure you stayed authentic to Donna age seven, like all of your life, right? There have been moments in and out, but, but the people you work with and the people I work with and the people we're talking to all the time, they feel like they really lost that person. They lost themselves and they don't know how to be that person anymore, or be authentic. Why do you think people change so much from age seven to age 18 to age 20 and get so disconnected from who they are?
0: I mean, I think 100% it comes down to the judgment piece, people, people's opinions start mattering. I see it already with my eight-year-old. So I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. My five-year-old at this point does not care if he goes to school with underwear on his head, right? Yeah. And my eight-year-old also wouldn't have cared at that age. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm so lucky, I have such easy kids. But now that my eight-year-old's eight and he has little girls that he has crushes on in his yeah. class, he stresses out about his hair. He is concerned about his appearance. He wants to come off smart in class. He doesn't like when he gets made fun of and it's a very very clear obvious shift. And it's funny that you say 7 because I really do think there's something right after that age where you start to get really aware of people's opinions of your of you. And I remember that too when I was 10. I remember when I first got made fun of. You know, you kind of don't forget those moments. Yeah. And then it gets luckily, you know, up until about Eighth grade, like ninth grade, I was very I did very well in school and I was very popular. So I didn't really struggle. But ninth grade, I got bullied for the first time by these girls. And it was in a public setting. It was at the new school. I went to Beverly Hills High School and um very big school. I was a freshman just trying to fit in and find my place. And I was struggling. I really did struggle. And then that happened on top of everything during lunch in front of what felt like a crowd of 100, you know, and it was so devastating to me that it completely shifted the my the narrative of my whole life. Like I'm convinced that that moment in its own it's like sliding doors. Like it changed my life in probably a very very bad way for many years until I was finally able to just get over it, but I was consistently worried about people's opinions of me. I wanted so badly for people to like me. I wanted so badly to fit in. I wanted so badly to be popular that I did a lot of things that weren't authentic to me, like, you know, drink more than I normally would have or hang out with a bad crowd or stay up late or not go to class. Um, I did a lot of that, smoke cigarettes. Like I became like that kind of rebellious kid. I started to fight with my family. And then when I went to college, I noticed it wasn't it didn't really go away. I went to UC Santa Barbara filled with stunning, gorgeous people. And I always felt like the odd one out because I was like just lacking that self-confidence. All my friends, I felt like had boyfriends and I was just hooking up with guys. Like I have to be honest, I was just looking for attention any way I could get it. Yeah. And um, I'm not the best student anymore. Like I, I'm very smart, but I wasn't the best student. And then I started struggling with anxiety. And so it kind of just like spiraled, spiraled, spiraled. And that I think is what happens. I think one little experience, can change the trajectory of your life. Yeah, um, yeah. We have to be so careful with our words and how we treat other people because you don't know when it's going to affect someone.
1: Yeah. So this is very interesting to me. I, I, I pick up phrases from you that I'm like, this is so interesting. This is what? so, because you say that all the time. So I like, but I'm like, this is so interesting, Donna. So here you were, right? Saying, look, I was just trying to get attention. I was trying to get it any way I could. I was really worried about other people's opinions. And yet, before you go into business at some point in your career trajectory, you're a casting director. Mm. Right. So you're literally on the other side of the table. You're judging people, right? Like they're looking for attention. You're judging, you're judging them. You're actually the other person's opinion that matters to them, right? So tell me, how did you get into that, into that industry, into that profession?
0: Well, growing up after I was seven, I definitely wanted to be part of the entertainment industry. I wanted to be on sets. And I grew up here in L.A. where um, my dad was an OBGYN and delivered a lot of famous people's kids. My mom was an esthetician and did facials for a lot of like more, you know, famous type celebrities, but also just driving to school every day or driving home or walking around your neighborhood. There was always shooting. There were always shooting shows. And I would see these experiences. Like, I remember when I saw them shoot Beverly Hills 90210 for the first time on Melrose Avenue. I was 10 years old or 11 years old. And I, like, screamed at my mom, get me out of the car. I need to be there. It was Kelly Taylor driving her red BMW? I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And then, you know, I went to go and hang out on the set of Designing Woman when I was, like, 8 years old. Oh, my gosh. My dad. sister,
1: my sister, if she's listening, she's freaking out
0: right now. That was Yeah, my dad delivered Jean Smart's. Kid Holly, you hear that? You hear that, Holly? This, I mean, this
1: is why you need to like hang out with me more. Look at who I know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know you're so much closer to Gene Smart. And, um, and so then, and like full house when I was in seventh grade, what do you want to do for your birthday? I want to go see a taping of full house. Like that was, I was just obsessed. And then my mom actually met a casting director on a plane randomly when I was in college and said, what are you doing? She was working on a script and she goes, oh, I'm a casting director. And my, my mom said, my daughter wants to be a casting director, having no idea what a casting director was, but knowing that she is like a networker and she wanted to help me out to like, let me follow my dreams. So I met with her and I got a job as a casting assistant on That's So Raven, the original Disney channel, That's So Raven with Raven Simone. And it changed my freaking life. It was the best experience ever. I got to be on the set every day. I got to be behind the scenes. I met my boyfriend for five years. I was with the guy that I met on, you know, on the show. It was such, it was such a good, fun, amazing experience. And so I just, uh, I attributed, I think, casting with that experience. So I kept on the casting train and I was good at it because I'm pretty good at most things I do. I have to be honest because I work hard and, I had a good eye and I'm good talking to people. So I started to kind of grow in that way. And I was one of the youngest casting directors of a TV show when I was about 27 years old. And, you know, so I was doing that for a long time. And then I started to get a little older in my 30s. I remember I had just gotten married. I was 30, 31. And I thought to myself, this is not actually what I want to be doing. Because, you know, what was happening, Rita, is I think I was on the behind the scenes. And not to say I wanted to be on camera or anything but i was sick of working my butt off making other people's dreams come true and not getting any reward for it really casting directors is a very um forgotten part of the process if you watch any like oscars or emmys or any of those golden globes very rarely is the casting director thanked and they're the ones that are doing the like heavy lifting trying to find these new actors or these younger stars or whatever and so that part felt like a little um you know that feeling like unappreciated you're like what am I doing here I'm just a messenger and I knew there was more for me I just didn't know what it was but um but yeah that was that process yeah being in so, casting.
1: so I'm cur- like you know people who would come in to get ca- I'm sure they had all kinds of preconceived notions about what you were looking for versus what you weren't like, their their idea. This must be what they're looking for. And then when they were rejected, right, or not selected, I'm sure they it, it's like dating, right? So whenever I, I would have clients back in my date coaching days, they would always go, oh, you know, this must be why he didn't want to go out with me again. Or this must be why. And like, it was never Like 90% of the time, it was never about that. They would find out later or I would have permission to contact the person or whatever. And it would turn out like the reason the person didn't message back or the reason the person didn't had nothing to do with what they thought it was, right? They're like, oh, it must be because I look like this or sound like this. And like, it had nothing to do with them. Usually it had to do with something else. I'm just kind of curious when people would come in, I'm sure they had all of these thoughts going on about why they were or weren't selected. Where do you think the truth was and where do you think that they were making things up in their head? Like, were you really judging the things that people would think that you were judging or were they completely making stories up in their head? And that's not what you were looking at at all.
0: Well, I think we all do this to this day. Like if we don't get a job or if our friend doesn't text us back or if a guy we have a crush on doesn't text us back, we always do this. We always, I mean, most people, I think, create that story in their head and they they go to the worst case scenario. I do it. I do it 100%. You know I do it. And so it's interesting because in the casting world, sometimes you could walk in, there's so many factors why someone gets a job, right? In the In casting, as an actor, this is actually in real life, really. It's in yeah. every aspect. But as an actor, there's so many reasons you do get the job or not. Only a portion of it is your talent. You know, you have to be the perfect look. You have to be the perfect height. You have to be the perfect diversity or perfect ethnicity. You have to have the perfect resume. You have to have the perfect, you know, quote. Um, There's like so many things. Availability. Like there's so many reasons why you would or would not chemistry. That being said, I imagine most actors, and this is why they struggle so much, is they take it personally because it feels personal. It's never really personal. Unless you come in, and I've had those experiences where people come in and just completely blow the audition or are really rude or do stuff like that, then it's your fault. <laughs> but most cases, it's not about you. It's just about finding that perfect fit.
1: Yeah. And and I ask this because you didn't stay casting director forever and ever. You eventually kind of had this path forward that led you to where you are today and starting your own business. So tell me a little bit about that. Like what made you say, because th- there's a big leap between... I'm behind the scenes and feeling unappreciated to let me start my my own business and do everything that comes with that, right? So what led you from point A to point Z?
0: Okay. So basically, long story short, I got a no. So in casting, you have to meet on your jobs and it's freelance. You'll get a job. If it's a pilot, it's usually 10 weeks of work. If it's a series, you can get up to, you know, per season, nine months. But then it could go on for 10 years. Like, you don't know. Movies are uh, like six months. Like, it really just depends. So you're usually doing multiple projects at once just to kind of keep you afloat. But there's definitely downtimes. And I happened to have a downtime right after I had my baby, my second baby. And I was waiting. We were waiting to get this next job. And we didn't get it. And so I spiraled thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And then I was unemployed. Well, I actually, I took a job as a talent agent, which is funny because when you think about casting and agents, one of them is buying and one of them is selling. Casting directors are searching and on the buying positions. They have that power position. Agents are selling. They're pitching. They're selling. Mm-hmm. And so I took this job as an agent thinking that was what I wanted. I felt like it was it, more stable, more money, more um, benefits. Uh, the same office every day, same hours. I knew exactly where I was going every day. I didn't have to question when my next job was going to happen. And it just felt like that was what I was craving. And I hated it. Oh, my God. Did I hate being an agent? Hated. So then I was unemployed, waiting to see if I could get another casting job with my partner. I had a partner at the time. And I was so down in the dumps about it because I was spending a lot of my time with these other L.A. moms who didn't work. And no harm, no foul to them. But like, it wasn't for me. It was lunching. It was shopping. It was facials. It was 10 a.m. workouts. I was like, what am I doing? Who do I think I am? Meanwhile, it was $16,000 in debt because my family is a dual income family. My husband and I both work. And so my salary was cut and I was spending as if I was, uh, you know, I was hanging out with like real housewife type people. Yeah. And so I was trying to keep up with the Joneses miserable. And I got really sick. I was laying in bed one day and all of a sudden I woke up and I was like, I can't do this. I had a fever. I felt so depressed. I was like, I'm not contributing to my family. I have two kids and a nanny because I assume I'm going to get a job. Like just spending money, like whatever. And um, I I sat there and I took that moment where I realized I have to figure something out. I have to start something. I don't know what, but I have to start something. And so I just started working as an acting coach. I just announced it on social media created a website with one of those, you know, $12 a year website services. And there was a Donna Bowling audition coaching was born from that moment.
1: That's so incredible, right? And so you started that. Now you are where you are now. So why don't you explain what you who you really help right now? Because you help other business owners. But what do you help them do? There's such a variety of ways that you can help. What would you say that you help people do?
0: And it's gone through many iterations, which is interesting. So when I was an acting coach, I was working with young actors primarily, and I was doing really well. I did it for about two years, and I was making well over six figures. The only problem is I was a hot mess. I had never had business experience. I had never known how to run a business. I didn't know a thing about marketing other than just going on Instagram and talking about my my services and having a podcast. I was working every single hour for the dollar, like, you know, working trading time and money. I was not sleeping, (laughs) I was not parenting, like I was a mess. And I knew it was unsustainable and it was also not really what I wanted to do. Ultimately, I didn't wanna work with actors. I just didn't know where else to go. And what happened was naturally, people started to ask me, peers started to say, hey, how did you do this? How did you start your business? Um, I wanna start a food blog or I wanna start a health coaching business or whatever it is. And so I started giving just advice to my friends and then loving it and then taking the leap finally at the end of 2019, I was like, that's it. I'm going to work with... Andre. I started kind of playing around with doing both. And then I realized it's very hard to maintain an audience on social media if you're talking to two people. It was confusing. And I knew where my heart was. And that was not with the acting community. And so I just pulled the trigger one day. I pivoted on stories without even planning it. I was like, guys, starting today, no longer working with actors. <laughs> it was the craziest thing ever if I look back. <laughs> but I'm very impulsive in this way. And... um and I was so I felt like a relief. I remember that night. I was like, I could dance. I feel so light. Um, not having any income coming in, no clients, but I started doing. I started helping uh, female entrepreneurs just in general online business because I didn't know at the time, you know, any anything else other than just like start an online business. Let's do it. But I was learning with them, and it wasn't. I felt like I wasn't the expert at all these things. I was only the expert at certain parts. So then I started to really hone it down to taking my casting experience and my confidence coaching and my mindset coaching and kind of putting that together to really, really hone in on how to show your face on Instagram, how to connect with your audience and find your dream clients by connecting physically, like face to camera with your audience. And then Clubhouse joined the scene, of course, in January. So I also was helping women specifically speak up on Clubhouse, start rooms, You know, learn their brand. Then more recently, I started to realize I love talking about this stuff, but I'm not an Instagram coach. I don't want to talk about hashtags. I don't want to talk about insights and virality. So I started to think, what can I do that still incorporates Instagram, that still incorporates showing your face on stories and, and going on Clubhouse, but really is an overall branding and personal branding experience. And that's like that's how my new uh, venture, venture the empire Collective.
1: Yeah, out. the empire. We're going to talk about empire in just a bit, you know, but it's not surprising what you just said to me because earlier in the interview, when you were talking about, you know, why people weren't selected when they were auditioning for shows, you're like, there's just so many factors. There's so many things that go into it. It's not just one thing. It's like all of these things mixed together that creates the decision. So it's really not a surprise to me that you weren't satisfied being a coach for a thing, right? Like Instagram or Clubhouse or because the success of a business owner isn't about one thing, right? It's not about how well they post or uh, it's a variety of everything, right? So it's not just what, and, and I wrote this down when you were saying that, because I think that business owners, and this is why it ties into your new, your new initiative, which I'm so excited about, but it's that idea that entrepreneurs want it to be one thing, right? They want it to be like, I'm sure if I just get in front of a different audience, then everything will work. Or I'm sure if I just create, maybe this offer didn't sell. So if I just create a different offer, then everything will work. Or it must just be the pricing. If I just change the pricing, or, you know what, Clubhouse just doesn't work. I'm just going to head over to Instagram, right? But what they find is they're hopping these strategies is that the next strategy isn't working the way they thought. And then they hop to another, and they, but they're not in any one place long enough, right? To see the results because that requires effort. <laughs> that requires work to tweak. If I stay on Instagram and Instagram's not working, but I'm committed to Instagram to grow my business, I have to like tweak a variety of things about my business. I have to tweak my messaging. I have to tweak my visuals. I have to, I have to keep troubleshooting until I find the thing, right? And so what I love about empire and what we're going to talk about in your empire collective is that you said, I I can't do that anymore. I can't pretend like it's one thing that's going to get you to success. I have to talk about everything. (laughs) Like we're going to have to dig into everything and you're just going to have to be committed to troubleshooting all of this till you find the overall thing that works for you. Right? Like, so it's not surprising to me based on like the things that you said that that's where you ended up. So tell me about empire. So you were helping people like, it visible. You were helping people do these things. Now you're saying, screw that. I can't pretend it's just one thing. The right hashtag will rocket you to success. right?" Instead, we have to like dive into all of this stuff. So what is all of this stuff? And how does the Empire Collective help them do that?
0: I think what happened was I started to look at my journey. And I hired my first business coach in 2018. And it was a great decision. But it was only a part of my journey, right? Like it only taught me a certain thing. It was mostly on how to create a digital course. Yeah. But it didn't teach me about the other stuff. Then I was like, oh, maybe I should hire another coach that's better at this. So I hired another coach. And then a few months later, I hired another coach because you know what the truth is? I always want to be with a coach. Yeah. I always want to have a coach because I personally don't feel it's, it, I think it's very hard to up level in business without constantly being like working with someone, right? Some sort of program, whether it's group or one-on-one. So then I, I kept kind of piecemealing coaches, right? So the sales coach, the marketing coach, the branding coach, the mindset coach, the, you know, the, the productivity coach, like all the things, And what was happening was I was getting really, really good at one thing. And then everything else was falling to the wayside and I was getting lost. And I found myself piecemealing it all together. And while it works for a lot of people, there's a lot of people who I speak to all the time that feel just like it's chaos, like disorganized because you're going from one coach to another and you never really know what works because everyone has different opinions. So I decided to kind of create instead of finding uh, all these different places this is the food court, right? This, the Empire Collective is the food court. It's the one-stop shop. And the reason why is because I want people, You we can Google it all, right? Like we, you can Google, you can download a podcast, you can download the freebie, you can go in a clubhouse room. You can spend weeks trying to find all the information. Yeah. But this is a, you come to this place and it's coming all to you. Yeah. And so the, the whole like method behind the collective, the Empire Collective is that, in this one community, you join, and not only are you surrounded by like minded entrepreneurs who are ready to also up level and grow their businesses and just feeling maybe a little stuck or just need a little bit of push or education or some more ideas to kind of really go to the next step. And the experts come to you. So not only are you masterminding with other amazing people each month, we bring a new expert, a new topic, and new resources and new. Fun like bonuses, and we go from there. And I love the idea because if I could do one thing now, after you know working with amazing coaches all these years, I would do this. Like I'm, I'm building a program for me. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and it's you were. and and what's yeah. really interesting, right? Is I'm looking back over the notes from the earlier part of our interview too. I mean, words like voice, face, video, speaking—all things you love, but also 100% everything that has helped you get to where you are now in your business. And also like 75% of what holds most business owners back, because they have trouble finding their voice there, they feel anxious and afraid. And we get back to the loop of other people's opinions and sounding, you know, a certain way where people are gonna make fun of them or they're gonna not know what they're talking about or they're risking being rejected by stepping out of the shadows, right? And stepping into the spotlight and saying, this is my message. This is my point of view and being the the face of the business to say it. And, um, and having all of this stuff like recorded and like put out there, that's terrifying for people. Right. So what do you help people do who are struggling with that? They're like, okay, Donna, you sound great. And I love this one stop shop, but oh, hell no, I don't want to get In front of the camera. I hate the way I look. I hate the way I sound. Oh, no, no. Can't I just do this without having to be the face? Like, can't, like, what do you mean my story? Why does my story matter to my business? All of these pieces. What would you say to people who are sitting there going, why is this so important to growing my business? Well,
0: it's funny because I had um, just today, I had a clubhouse room this morning on how to find your tribe and your community. And then later on, I was in my friend Hannah's room, which was how to turn your followers into fans. And both of them have the same the same um, method, right? The same solution. The same solution to building community and also turning followers into fans. And that is by being authentic and also consistent with your personal brand. People need to remember who the hell you are. And just like in casting, just like with actors, we used to always say this, when actors would come in, It was sometimes not the right actor for the role that was written on paper. It was who came in and made those words come alive. And I'll never forget when I was on Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, that was the show I was casting. We were casting a security guard. He was going to be a very, very heavily recurring character in the the series. And they wrote him as a very, very tall, skinny, lanky, dorky, white male. And we ended up hiring a man who was 500 pounds and black. And short, because he was so freaking funny, and when we first saw him in the room, we said, "This is the guy. This is the character." And the producers thought we were insane. That's not who we thought. But we said, "Just watch. He gets the role. And here in, in in business, there's a lot of people who do what you do. There's a lot of actors that audition for that same role. There's a lot of people that on paper look like they're better for the role, or better for the job, or better as that coach. But you are the reason. That people are going to remember you.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean, I always say if you guys have listened to my podcast before this one, you know, it's like there are a million people who do what you do. Being a business coach isn't different. Being an Instagram expert isn't different. Being a yoga teacher isn't different, right? You might do it in a different way, but even then there are going to be people who do it that way. What makes it different is you, the combination of who you are. And if people don't know that, right, here's what's interesting too. like as I write that because I'm like the big geek that writes down all the notes from the interviews, but You know, I think the thing that makes people successful in the corporate world or even what you said you were doing to to be successful in your side of like the acting, you know, TV and, and entertainment world is, you know, I was just trying to fit in. I was trying to find my place. And I think that that in corporate is what makes you successful. If you fit in, if you find your place if you toe the company line, if you don't make too many waves, even if you're trying to advance up leadership, it's still only to a certain point, right? We want you to lead, but only up to this little point, we still want you to like stand in line with what we say, right? And I think that that's the very thing that especially when people come out of corporate, they struggle with when they start their own business, because it's the opposite that makes your business successful, right? So in, in corporate America, it's, fit in, you know, be like everybody else. Just find your place. Don't rock the boat. Don't alienate people, right? Like have this like general point of view, like just like sit, like what's that guys and dolls, right? Sit down, you're rocking the boat, like you're rocking the boat, right? Like, but really in entrepreneurship, if you're not rocking the boat, you're not going to be successful. You can't fit in. You can't like, you know, try to find, your place among everyone else, right? Cause you will disappear, you will disappear. And then it becomes very hard for people to find you, to hire you. And I think that it's normal because that's what we're trained at least in the corporate world, creates success. And it's the exact opposite, right? When you're out and about.
0: So I get the anxiety. It's so true, though. It's so that's an interesting way to look at it. Like instead of trying to fit in, you're trying to stand out. And by standing out, there was a big discussion in my room today about, well, I don't want to be polarizing. You don't have to be polarizing. You don't have to be unlikable. But you have to be um opinionated you do have to have your opinions and you have to have your your take on it so like i call it your special sauce and that's my framework that i talk about the fave framework that i've spoken to you about before like f is foundations right so that's your your values your beliefs you know kind of who you are in that sense a is aesthetic because everyone in business should have some sort of aesthetic where we know when we think about your brand, when we think about your Instagram page or your website, it immediately reminds us of certain colors or certain vibes. You shouldn't be like your grandma's um, uh, scrapbook or whatever. You know, like you, you should be, you should be like a very consistent vibe. And I mean, not vibe aesthetic. And then V, the third one is vibe, meaning your energy. Like, are you making people feel inspired, entertained? educated. There's a lot of Instagram accounts out there that are just for fun, funny, or they just show you um Amazon finds and you know when you go over there, like you're gonna be inspired or excited to shop for your house, whatever. You have to think about how people feel when they're talking about you or when they're on your page or when they're, you know, speaking to you. Yeah. And the last one is what you helped me come up with that E is experience because here's the game changer is when we think about me, I'm the only former casting director, former talent agent who now does what I do. You Rita are probably the only, only dating coach, former dating coach, former lawyer who went on 35 days of 35. We all bring our own stuff to the table. And if people don't know and think we're just, you know, handpicked like, like a, you know, a factory made business coach. Why in the hell would people hire you?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like, um, it's that mix. If you think of it like a mixing bowl, right? It's like only you have your education, only you have your upbringing, only you have um, history, the, the history, the culture and time that you were growing up, the experiences that you had, right? all of the connections. that connections, connections, everything. And it mixes to create your point of view and how you decide, how you think about things, how, why you think things, how you think about them, the decisions that you make how you show up, what you think is good or bad, right or wrong. And no one else can have that formula to arrive at the results that you do that. It's impossible for anyone else to have that formula. And that's what makes you, you, and it's like back in dating, right? It was these generic dating profiles where people are like, I love to dress up and I also love to wear jeans and I love to go out, but I also love to stay in. Sometimes I like to order out and other times I love to cook. Sometimes I like to stand up and sometimes I like to sit down and I'm like, oh my God, like you were literally saying nothing. You're saying zero because you're
0: you're trying to appease everyone, appease everyone. I actually just posted on my stories today and you should go and check them out. But I found a post about people pleasers and how people who are people pleasers are actually just not good leaders. They're not good leaders. Yeah. And in in order, in order to lead and by leading that could be, yes, your team, but it also could just be followers or clients in order to lead. You can't please.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's tough to say out loud as someone that is a little bit of a people pleaser and doesn't like when people don't like me. I don't like it when people don't like me, but here's what I figured out. The people that I don't like, that don't like me or people that when I hear that they don't like me actually affects me are people that really know me. Yeah. But when I find out that people that d- don't know me don't like me, no harm, no foul. It, it's yeah. your own personal life. If you hear that kind of stuff, but if in terms of Instagram, you're not trying to attract your friends, right?
1: You're not trying. Like it would be like, if you put me in charge of a hike and I'm lead, I'm the leader leading, I don't know, girl scouts, cub scout, whatever. I don't have kids. So like leading a group of people on a hike, and I get to a fork in the road and I'm like, well, we could go left or we could go right.
0: Or maybe we can go like both ways. Like maybe, maybe we go half this way and yeah, then we come back. We, go... we should turn around like I don't people are gonna be like, what the hell? What What are you doing? We need you to pick a, a way and we need to. And also you. and also, why are we trusting her? She doesn't know anything about but what she's doing. Know
1: anything right. And this is why. So one of like read a Rita quote that I quote a lot because I like to quote myself a lot is in order to resonate, you must alienate. You must like nobody can resonate with anything. If you're not against if, if you're not for something, right. Nobody can also go me too. And if you're not against something, right. Like somebody like that's why rooms like in clubhouse, like pineapple on pizza. It's such a great room because you either love pineapple on pizza or you don't. Right. You like, and people are taking hard stances, like no pineapple. Block. Pizza and people are mad. They're like, but they're finding their people, right? Those are people you're gonna go eat pizza with because it's gonna be easy to order your pizza and it's gonna yeah. everything's just gonna flow, right? But it's like I love this because I think this is so true, right? Because what you're helping people do is lead their business, right? You and I both help people step into that leadership, um, just in different ways, right? And so you're like, Okay, look, you have to be the leader of your business, meaning you have to know what your message is, you have to know what your values are. You have to know what you stand for. You have to know what message you want to tell the world. You have to know what makes you different and why. You have to know you-
0: what your offers are and how much to charge for them, so that you can confidently say. It. You have to know how to use your voice and speak your voice, or how to um, show up on social media, or how to sell, or even how to create an email funnel. Like there's so many different little layers. How to write copy. Yeah. How to um how to present yourself and pitch yourself to. To sponsorships and brands,
1: and it's like, and how to do it in a way where you're holding true to all of the things that you got clear about at the beginning, right? So, like, in order to let's say that you decide, I don't know, making this up, but you're $20,000 for like a month of coaching or something. Cool, that's fine, that's great. But the only way you're ever going to make $20,000 for your month of coaching is if you hold firm to your $20,000 for your month of coaching and you don't discount it, right? And you don't like lower it for other people. It's the only way you're ever going to make the $20,000. And yet that's terrifying to people because, well, what if that person runs away? And what if that person says no? And what if they don't like me? What if they think bad things about me? <laughs> what? And we get right back into that loop, right? So here's what I'm curious about. As people work with you that anxiety and i know you've dealt with anxiety before it bubbles up that the fear is real of rejection of losing people of like people unsubscribing from your list people not following you people saying bad things about you what how do you help people with that piece of it right like what has helped you overcome some of those moments of anxiety and fear and doubt that pop up when you're having to do some really uncomfortable things like be the leader and actually lead your business
0: I mean for me I I quickly got over it 3 years ago when I realized there was absolutely no way other to other than show up as myself on social media and start speaking. Did that mean that people like I still I have there's a couple of people in my mind right now that I can think of that like hate me in my personal life and and talk about me in their stories like in a very vague way over and over daily. I mean people will not always like us but what I like to look at it as is Every single time you do open up and speak, like I'll never forget that one of my former clients, she had um, melasma, which is like that darkening of her skin. And she was an actress. And she was so used to always showing up, you know, looking perfect and made up. And she was also a health coach. And she struggled with this idea of showing up in her true form because she didn't want people to judge her as an actress. And she never showed up on stories because she was like, I don't want to put on makeup. And it's like, ugh. And finally, I just got her... I said, you got to rip the band-aid. You got to show up as you and talk about it. Talk about that this is uncomfortable for me, but you're doing it anyway. And of course, she did. And her business completely changed from that moment. She will still always say that. She says the business will completely change. Her business completely changed the second she started to show up and, and talk about the flaws and open up and be vulnerable. That's another thing. No one's trying to be perfect here. So to say like, I'm nervous, or I stumble words, or I don't look great, or just whatever. It's it's just a sign of endearment, and you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a it's a work in progress for all of us. We're gonna have stumbles and falls. We're gonna get better. We're gonna struggle again. Clubhouses brings up a whole new anxiety when it comes to speaking. Then the next step is speaking on stages, and the next step, and so it keeps the the struggles keep getting harder. That pro, the imposter syndrome never goes away. The problem is, or the good thing is is that on each of those levels, you start to realize there's people that are really, their lives are changing because of you. And so it's really important to do it anyway, because it's not about you. It's about the other people. And I think with so many people, you know, the empire, just to go back to that, the reason why I created this program is because so many people are so close to what they want to do next, but they just are so like in their heads about it. They're just that one aha moment. From this success, and they don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn. And so, this is a place where not only will they get to learn from experts, but they get to rise up together. They get to find their community. They get to connect with people that are similar to them, that want the same things, that are solution oriented, that are positive AF, and know that there's not, they're, they're not the victims, right? Like, they're not the victim of the algorithm. Yep. I can't with that. It's they're ready to take their business by, by, uh, yeah. By the rains, yeah, sure, yeah. By
1: storm, by the rains, by the horns. There you go. By the all horns. the things, all the things, <laughs> all the things. things. They can put it somewhere, <laughs> but yeah, you know, that's what you're doing. And I, I mean, I really you, you said a phrase earlier to shift the narrative, right? And that's really what I keep thinking about, which is like you have a choice. You and I said this in my podcast last week. I said, look, if you want to build a business that actually makes money and makes an impact, and um, you know, just gives you what you want, like. You don't have a choice to not show up like you have to show up like you just don't. There is no choice to not show up. no
0: choice around it. No, nope.
1: you can change how you show up. And part of that is shifting the narrative and focusing on what you want to focus on, focus on what you want more of. And what you just said there is like, sure, you can look at how many people are unsubscribing and how many people you're alienating and how many people don't. Or you can look at how many, because we live in a world of duality, guys. So what's happening on one side has to be happening in the opposite. You can look at how many people are staying with you and how many people are saying, yes, I agree with you. And how many lives are being impacted by you showing up in that way. And that becomes greater and more meaningful. And that's that's why I love what you're doing with the Empire Collective, because it's really saying, it's okay, I've created a container that is like safe and feels good and where you're getting all the support you need to get out of your own way and do all exactly. of this uncomfortable stuff, right? So tell, exactly. tell everybody when that starts, because I mean, it hasn't started yet. When is that starting? What's quite, How do people find out about it if they want to be in it?
0: Yeah, so I'm doing this in a very different way than I normally launch programs. Normally, I have my full email systems and, and, and um, you know, scheduled to go out, the funnels, the this and that. Um, I am just talking about it a little bit here on social media and on podcasts and in clubhouse. I am DMing with a lot of people who I think are right. See, the thing is, you have to be a right fit. I'm not just taking anyone that's willing to invest in it. Um, the program is six months long, minimal and the reason why, and you can, you can continue it forever. The reason why I'm keeping it at six months minimum minimum is because I truly don't believe like major change can be done um, in a four-week program or an eight-week program. Like, I really want you to get the full experience and that connection. Um, at the end of the day, you know, for anyone that is really just needing those, that inspiration and those ideas and the connection in the community, this is just, a, a, an amazing way to kind of take it to the next level. So it starts, I turned 40 on June 11th and the program starts the week after. So it's like my new start to my 40s, we're starting over and, um, and you can just send me a DM. Honestly, that's the best way to do it. I don't even have the page available for anyone. Yeah, So at. so
1: where are like, tell people, I mean, we're going to put it in the show notes, too, but tell people how they can find you. Yeah.
0: So I live on Instagram and clubhouse. If you, if you know me, those are the places I am on Instagram. It's, this is Donna Bowling and on clubhouse. It's Donna Bowling, both spelled Dana. And of course I have my podcast amp it up. So I'm kind of, and I have my website, Donna Bowling.com.
1: Yeah, no. And I, I mean, I think this is great. You guys should really follow Donna and and learn how to do all of these things right like again she you know Donna hit the nail on the head when she said look only a portion of success is talent and she was talking about that in the casting world but like in the business world you could be the best at what you do you could be the best yoga teacher the best coach the best but if these other pieces aren't in place you're not going to be successful because only a portion of your business success is going to be your talent at what you do right so it's like you have to stop trying to fit in. You have to stand out. You have to stop looking for an existing stage. You have to create your own stage. You have to stop hiding in the shadows. You have to step into the spotlight and you have to do all of this because you don't have a choice to not share your story, to not show up as authentic, your, your authentic self, to not share your message. And you, you don't have a choice to not lead. And leading means not pleasing everyone, but you will please the right people and you need the right support to be able to do something as uncomfortable as that. So Donna, is there anything that you want to say to people who are sitting there like, it sounds, it sounds great. I'm ready. I'm ready. Maybe not even just for your, they're just like, okay, I've never actually done a video before, or I've never actually posted a point of view before. I've just done great motivational quotes and feel good kind of images, right? Like, where would be one place? One, I like to give one tangible action someone could do right now when they get off this podcast to go and start showing up as themselves, being the face of their business, sharing their message, sharing their mission, and letting people know who they really are, what they really stand for. What's one easy thing somebody could go do?
0: Honestly, I would spend some time and brain dump some things about you so that you can get to know yourself a little more. And then I would think, who are you speaking to? Your ideal client, and then try to meet them where they are, because a lot of times we speak—not we people—go on social media and they speak for themselves, and they don't keep their audience in mind, or they speak for their audience and they don't bring their themselves into the picture. So find where you can meet, and I would just do a story series. Super easy. Saying, "It's been a while. I've never introduced myself here. I'm Donna. I am a blah 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 blah. This is who I work with. This is how I help people." And if you want to work with me, this is what you do. And um, I'm a mom. I have two kids. And I like to work out. And I like to drink wine and eat sushi. You know, like, whatever. Keep it light. But just doing that one story set rips the Band-Aid. And all of a sudden, you're like, it's not so bad. Yeah, not so bad. So,
1: guys, rip the Band-Aid. Why don't you just do it by introducing yourself to your audience? Hey, it's been a while. Let them know. Who you are, who you help, and a little bit about what makes you you, what makes you as a per, makes you the person you are. Tag Donna in it, tag me in it. Let everybody know uh, that you're just ripping the bandaid off and letting people know who you are. And I promise the rest will will flow in naturally from that. Donna, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I always love chatting with you, but I really am so glad that we could chat where other people are going to really get to know you. And hopefully, um, I and guys, I am going to be like participating in the empire collective. Like I'm a, guest, yes. I'm a guest coach in there and I'm going to be uh, doing some stuff. So guys, I'm, I'm be really, part of it. I'm going to be part of it. Like I really, I like, I can't stress enough. Like the right support is so crucial. And so check it out. Let me know your thoughts and definitely just come visit Donna and clubhouse. Even if you're not going to do the collective, like come visit Donna and clubhouse, visit her Instagram, watch how she shows up because sometimes our best mentors are people. We just like, learn habits from and you can learn habits from watching how donna shows up on social media because donna you really are authentic and so supportive and i appreciate everything that you do for everyone so thank you thank
0: you rita I had so much fun i appreciate you love you
1: and guys i will uh, be talking to you next week on another episode of the rita mimi do it show
2: hey before you go thank you for listening to my show i hope that you enjoyed this episode Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a review. It'll only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the Rita Mimi Do It Show. And my goal is to share this business boosting and life changing content with as many people as possible. In fact, because I value your time so much, every month one reviewer will win a free coaching call with me. So if you want to get laser focused and go all in on the results that you most want in your business, then leave a review now. And then head on over to com where you can find the show notes from today's episode.